we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 11th, 2011. And uh, the next article, we're going to switch gears here, and it's entitled, India Scans 2.4 Billion Eyes to See and End Poverty. 2.4 billion, which is roughly a third of the world's population? Maybe not quite, but no, it's right about there. 2.4 billion, a third of the world's population, we're talking about here. Mind-boggling database being created to give all identity and, and a chance for a better life. You know, Satan will always have some sugar-coating thing he'll put on something to make it look just wonderful. And the picture that you're looking at, if, you, if you're following along with the PDF, it's, it's on about page... This will be on page six or seven. Is a um, a migrant farm worker peers into an iris scanner in New Delhi in the first effort to officially record each Indian's identity as an individual. And we're talking iris scanners, fingerprints, assigning a twelve-digit number. Uh, very, 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 very big brotherish. They haven't even tried this garbage in America yet. They've been posturing that they will do this with something like the National Identity Card. But I think there's been enough backlash over that where they've been reluctant to try to fully implement it. But see, a lot of times in third world countries, it's different. The, the populations tend to go along with things. Um, not always, but a lot of times more so um, when you're dealing with that type of population. Not, not to say we're better, I'm just saying they... they Third world countries tend to go along with things like this a little bit more. Uh, going further, it says, I can't even pronounce this guy's name, Mr. Ganger, a 49-year-old subsistence farmer, stood in line in his remote village until, for the first time in his life, he squinted into the soft glow of a computer screen. The fingerprints of a migrant farm worker are scanned in New Delhi for a national identity system, linking her to benefits. Oh, boy. It's like the satanic carrot. His name, year, birth, and address were recorded. A worker guided Mr. Gander's rough fingers to the glowing green surface of a scanner to record his fingerprints. He peered into an iris scanner as well, shaped like binoculars that captured the unique patterns of his eyes. With that, Mr. Gander would be assigned a 12-digit number, the first official proof he exists. He can use that number along with the thumbprint to identify himself anywhere in the country now. See how we're, we're very, very much going into the realm of the mark of the beast where it'll only require a microchip in your right hand or your forehead with probably some type of identifying tattoo as well in order to buy, sell, or trade, as the Bible talks about in Revelation. Going further, it says it will allow him to gain access to welfare benefits, open a bank account, or get a cell phone far from his home village, something that's still impossible for many people in India. Across the sprawling, chaotic nation, workers are creating what will be the world's largest biometric database, a mind-boggling, complex collection of... Now, they're saying 1.2 billion identities, and the the thing above it said 2.4, so I don't know where their, their, their math seems to be 
I think they, they got it wrong in the actual body here. But anyway, but even more radical than its size is the scale of ambition to reduce the inequality corroding India's economic rise by digitally linking every one of India's people to the country's growth juggernaut. It's going to be like the Borg on Star Trek. You know, They're going to assimilate you. They're going to know everything about you. And you're going to be connected into their hive mind grid system. Everybody's going to be connected to one another. And, and ultimately, they would like to make it so you lived in literally a virtual world that had no basis in reality. Next article, I received this from Michelle, a longtime listener, and she wrote me and said, Facebook is nothing but a pit of vipers, which I've reported on many times as truth. I cannot see why everyone is so obsessed with this. Facebook wants me to upload a government ID with photograph to them. Facebook. Listen to this. I use Facebook due to my business as a photographer and have done so for a couple of years now. Yesterday, Facebook changed some of their design to include a drop-down menu to a privacy. It's actually the exact opposite. But anyway, today I tried to log on to meet to be met with a notice my profile has been disabled while offering various reasons for this. Now, remember, Facebook was literally started by a CIA subsidiary. It's a governmentally uh, backed facade. It is data collection and data mining. That's all it is. It's, it's evil, I'm telling you. And then she goes on to say, each reason leads to the following page, which says, disabled account, appeal ID request, and, you know, it says this, you need... And then it says, please upload a government-issued ID. I'm reading from the screen capture from Facebook that I posted in the um, PDF here, so you can see it for yourself. Please upload a government-issued ID to this report and make sure that your full name, date of birth, and photo are clear. You should also black out any personal information that is not needed to verify your identity. Oh, boy, thank you. Uh... And then it says, if you do not have access to a scanner, a digital image of your photo ID will be accepted as well. Rest assured, we will permanently delete your ID from our servers once we have used it to verify the authenticity of your account. This is some social network. And they got to have a government ID? I'm just telling you, Facebook's getting more and more draconian. Bad. Just go up on, on I've, I've posted the video before, just go up on YouTube and key in Facebook and CIA. And watch that little four or five minute video. That'll probably give you all the information you need to know. And then she ends by saying, why on earth would Facebook need an ID that must include a photograph? I guess the need to know everything about us has just gone into overdrive. Yep. I agree. Next article. Electronic tattoo could monitor vital organ functions. And you'll see a picture here. And under the picture, it says, researchers have created an electronic patch that can track your brain and muscle activity and is thin enough to be laminated onto the skin like a temporary tattoo. I'll give you a picture of it here. It looks like a little computer chip that you literally can put on your skin. You just It's just like a postage stamp, basically. You wet the back and you put it on your skin and hey, you're a cyborg now. Wonderful. You're part human, part machine. What's not to like about that scenario? You can be transhuman too. In one easy, 
quick step. This is from the Los Angeles Times, and the article says, Forget those old bulky electrodes of the past. Researchers have created a device that can track your heart, brain, and muscle activity as effectively as controversial or conventional monitoring systems. And it is thin enough to be laminated onto the skin like a temporary tattoo. Be careful what rights you're willing to give up for the sake of convenience would be my warning to you. Be careful what rights you're giving, willing to give up for the sake of convenience. I'm showing my daughter what this thing looks like. Um, so, it's thin enough to be laminated onto the skin like a temporary tattoo. Down the line, such electronic patches could be used to monitor vital functions, aid in physical rehabilitation, and perhaps be deployed in covert military operations. Hmm, that's neat. That was from the Orlando Sentinel that they got from the Los Angeles Times. Another article confirming this, hospital patients now being microchipped with electronic tattoos. This is from National Natural News. Being microchipped is now being spun as a method of protecting the health of hospital patients. To help mask this practice of this bodily invasion with a trendy high-tech appearance, microchipping sensors are being referenced as electronic tattoos that can attach to human skin and stretch and move without breaking. Well, see, this is, again, this is incrementalism. This is basically saying, oh, hey, come on, it's just like a postage stamp. You put on your skin. We don't have to put all these bulky electrodes on. You can put it on, um, but see, it's incrementalism. Eventually, you, you get used to that concept of being monitored, and eventually they'll say, well, you know, that thing can get washed off. It can be damaged because it's on the outside. we got this nice microchip that we're going to inject into you. You're not going to have to worry about losing it. It's going to be able to do a whole lot more. It's going to you know, have a lot more than it can do because it's literally a microchip. And, um, you know, what's not to like? That's where we're going with all this, just so you know. Supposedly, the comparisons of this ha- hair-thin electronic patch-like chip to an electronic tattoo are being made because of how it adheres on the skin like a temporary tattoo, only using water. The small chip is less than 50 micrometers thick, which is thinner in diameter than a human hair. And it's being marketed as, quote, safe and easy way to temporarily monitor heart and brain patients while replacing bulky medical equipment currently being used in hospitals. The device uses microelectronics technology called epidermal electronic systems and is said to be the development that will, quote, transform medical sensing technology, computer gaming, and even spy operations, according to a study published this week. They've got all kind of draconian uses set for this type of technology. But they're only going to sugarcoat and really give out the main reasons initially. Pet microchips have become increasingly common over the last few years. These chips are marked with a small barcode that can be scanned just like the tags on grocery items. This seems to suggest that microchips are meant to turn the wearer into an object that can be tracked and cataloged. Once inserted into the animal, the chip stays there for the entirety of the lifetime and can be used to identify the pet should it be found on the street or turned into a shelter. The subdermal chips are often recommended by vets and animal care experts as a way to ensure lost pets find their way back home again. But research suggests that despite their proclaimed usefulness, pet microchips may cause cancer. 
Multiple studies have clearly linked pet microchips with increased incidence of cancer and tumors in mice and rats. This is no different for implantable microchips in humans. The ones that have already been implanted, there's a clear correlation of people getting tumors around the site of the microchip. But they don't want you to know that. In the past, public disclosure of the suggested links between microchipping and cancer in animals stirred widespread concern over the safety of implantable microchips in living beings. The animal microchip study finds that created findings that created such an uproar were so pervasive that Dr. Robert ben- Benazira, head of the Cancer Biology G- Genetics Program at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City, was quoted in an article about microchipping as saying, quote, There's no way in the world, having read this information, that I would have one of those chips implanted in my skin or in one of my family members. End of quote. Now that's a guy that would know what he's talking about. At least a dozen animal studies have been done between 1990 and 2007 and most concluded that microchips significantly increased the risk of cancer at the microchip site. Hey, it's a dual benefit for the, you know, for the pharma cartel slash microchip company. They insert the microchip, now you're at an increased risk for cancer, then you're going to have to get into the pharma cartel and get their nice, wonderful treatments. I'm not 100% sure what they do for animals, but all the electronic parts of the new EES chip are built out of wavy, snake-like components, which allow them to be stretched and squeezed. They also contain tiny solar cells, which can generate power or get energy from electromagnetic radiation. Pretty advanced stuff here. The sensor is mounted onto a water-soluble sheet of plastic and attached to the body by brushing the surface with water. Hence the comparison with the temporary tattoo. Uh, Let's see here. Well, the, the commentator for this article then goes on to say, The future of America. Microchipped zombies. Researchers believe the technology could be used to replace traditional wires and cables. But this sounds remarkably like an excuse used to cover up the real truth. That this new microchipping method is a way to ensure all of us eventually become microchipped and able to be tracked and monitored. Soon everyone may be required to wear chips or tattoos that prove they got their vaccinations. Ah, yeah. And also to link to health records, credit history, and social security records. My comment then is that Quote, I believe this is just conditioning, acclimation, and incrementalism leading up to the mark of the beast. And then I say, see my teachings here. I did one on the hexagram and the mark of the beast, and the real ID, the implantable microchip, and the mark of the beast. So, they're 2007, but it's still as pertinent today as it was back then. So, I give you the links there. You can just click on them and, and the, uh, the audio will be there for you to click on. So, I uh, wanted to kind of give you an update on that. And then it goes on to end by saying, if the government can require Americans to carry microchip documents, including your work, financial, and health records, well, they're already doing that with, I believe, a lot of the driver's licenses and the passports all have RFID chips in them. Now, I'm telling you, if you've got this stuff, you should be using a secured wallet. ID Stronghold. Just do a keyword search for ID Stronghold. And I don't get any money for you know, recommending them. ID Stronghold. 
They've got wallets that shield your credit cards, your driver's licenses and everything, and they've got one for your passport as well that you can carry. And, you know, they've got different styles and things like that to choose from. And that's what I use because there's people now with RFID readers that can go and literally scan you um, from a certain distance and get, like, the information off your passport. Or even credit card information, I've been told. And this would eliminate that. It's a shield that essentially eliminates... I've even heard of cops being able to pull up beside you while you're on the highway and get your information to see if whatever, you know, if you're up to date. First time in my life the other day, I was driving home. I kind of drove a back way, kind of taking the scenic route, you know. And there's a, a roadblock. I mean, this is the stuff I've been reporting on for all this time. There's a roadblock, a, a, a checkpoint, if you will. Now, it was probably the most benign checkpoint you could have. The guy was just checking licenses. It was a cop, and you had to stop. But I guarantee you, if you would have tried to have turned around, they would have had cop cars all over you. And then you're really going to get scrutinized. But if you didn't have your license, uh-huh, you're going to be in trouble. You know, they're looking for an excuse to write tickets. They have to meet quotas, or they're supposed to meet quotas, which is really warped as far as I'm concerned. And, well, this is, this is the whole, you know, big brother merging, uh, you know, it's, it's a money-making machine between the court systems and the law enforcement. Writing tickets out, you know, that's a whole other subject I could do a teaching on. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna ticket the people that don't, and then they're going to look at them with more scrutiny. It's going to give them an excuse to, you know. But, I mean, this is what it's coming to. And, again, what are they trying to do with that? They're trying to acclimate you to accept that type of behavior. The guy was real nice. I mean, I was in and out of there in probably less than 10 seconds. But they're trying to get us all acclimated. And it's exactly what... See, in an airport, they can do it a lot more because, see, you're, you're funneled through their, their, um, into their ungodly, evil TSA system. And you either got to play by the rules if you want to get on that plane. So they can go and they can use the pornographic, high radiation, uh, destroy and unravel your DNA body scanner and storing your, your, uh, pornographic image in their system. Or you can opt for the, um, sexual molestation pat-down of you and your loved ones. They're trying to get you to accept further levels through incrementalism of this wicked, draconian behavior. You can't get away with that quite yet in, in the, just in the, in the open streets, but they're, they're trying to, to implement things and through these things like these checkpoints and things of this nature. So, again, reading this last comment made, it says, if the government can require Americans to carry microchip documents, including your work, financial, and health records, it seems only a matter of time before these chips will be implanted for the sake of convenience or security. Implanted in you, meaning. According to them, all of this will be done for our own good. Uh, and then they, got, they have a link here. It said, read more and watch the videos about the government's agenda to microchip all humans by 2017. And there's a link there you can click on if you like. 
Next article. Homeland Security Surveillance Detected on Christian Website. Blogger noted for opposing homosexual lifestyle choice. Okay, this is from World Daily Net. It says, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has begun watching a blog posted by a Christian who was forced to flee Brazil because of the conflict between the nation's pro-homosexual hate crimes agenda and his advocacy for traditional marriage. Exactly why the U.S. government, which several times has linked Christians and conservatives with terrorism, is watching Julio Severo's unabashedly Christian Last Day Watchman blog isn't clear. Well, I think it's clear, but anyway. Uh, World Daily Net, and again, doesn't mean I'm endorsing everything World Daily Net ever says or does. Okay, Again, we're gleaning from them like I was gleaning from Fox News or CNN or, or any uh, outlet like that. Uh, so let's go further. Uh, World Daily Net request to the DHS, meaning Department of Homeland Security, for comment did not generate a response. The website's records reveal DHS visited the site yesterday. A different computer also at the DHS was on the, again, on the site again today. A World Daily Net report in 2009, shortly after Obama took office, that a Department of Homeland Security report warned of the possibility of violence by unnamed right-wing extremists. People concerned about illegal immigration. Oh, we're the enemy. I mean, the, the only ones that they wouldn't be concerned about were somebody that basically uh, has, you know, is brain dead and has a pulse. They're the only ones that really are true good Americans, evidently. You know? So, the possibility of violence by unnamed right-wing extremists like people concerned about illegal immigration. you got to really be careful of them. And people concerned about increasing federal law restrictions on firearms and abortion and the loss of U.S. sovereignty. Oh, how dare us. Who do we think we are to care about any of those things? We are so unpatriotic, I can't even stand myself half the time. Sorry. Just kidding. Anyway, of course that is true, but uh, the report pointed to returning war veterans as particular threats. The report from the DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis defined right-wing extremism in the U.S. as, quote, divided into those groups, movements, and adherents that are primarily hate-oriented, based on hatred of particular religious, racial, or ethnic groups, and those that are mainly anti-government Rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority. Oh my word, I know. I mean, we need Big Brother at the highest levels over a big umbrella to take away all state and local autonomy and authority. Of course we need that. I mean, why don't you just walk around with a shirt that says, I heart Satan. I think that would sum it up. You know, I heart Satan. It's, 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 it's to the point. You know, it's honest. So, maybe, I mean, I guess if you had that shirt on, they probably would just wave you right through the checkpoint. That's all you need. You don't even need a license. That shirt's good enough for me, sir. We know you're on the right team. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's insanity. All right, so let's go further. It may include, now these are the people we got to be aware of. It may include groups or individuals that are dedicated to a single issue such as opposition to abortion or immigration. The true evil has been identified. 
Now, the Bible says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Now, more and more and more and more, as things get more and more wicked, that's what you're going to see more and more from our own government, from every facet of society as well, pretty much. The things that are wicked and evil are the good things, and the things that are good and pure and holy are the bad things, and they're the things to be feared, and they're the things to be ferreted out and eliminated. Well, if you were Satan, wouldn't that would that would be kind of the, the agenda, you know, you'd want to pursue? Going further, it says it was followed by a report from the Missouri Information Analysis Center that linked conservative groups to domestic terrorism. The Missouri report warned law enforcement agencies to watch for suspicious individuals who may have bumper stickers for third-party political candidates such as Ron Paul, Bob Barr, and Chuck Baldwin. They're the ones you really got to watch. I think they should just gut shoot us. If we got one of those bumper stickers, that's it. Game over. Just gut shoot me right there. And let me, let me bleed out on the side of the road. I mean, I deserve it. Come on. What's well, not to like? I got it coming, right? Obviously, I'm injecting a lot of sarcasm into this, but it's hard not to. I mean, it's such insanity. How do you how do you deal with this? I mean, be angry and sin not. Yeah, true. Get righteous and indignant. But I would say the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Get on your knees and. I mean, it's but this is insanity. The Bible says in Psalm twelve verse eight that the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Now, if that's not true of our day and age, I don't know what is. I mean, whether you look at Hollywood. All this Lady Gaga, Lady Gagme, the vilest men and women are being exalted and extolled and, 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 and promoted. Homosexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, abortion, all of these issues that are a total abomination to God and were punishable by death in the Old Testament, they're all protected and exalted now. Well, the Bible said, and then look, look at the, one of the most vilest men, the vilest president we've ever had, I would have to say by far, good old Barack Hussein Obama. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. It's what we should expect. Uh, goes on to say, it is further warned law enforcement to watch out for individuals with radical ideologies based on Christian views, ooh, such as opposing illegal immigration, abortion, and federal taxes? Wow. Unbelievable. Now, regarding this the last thing, uh, with, with the mention of federal taxes, people say you don't pay your taxes. I love that one. I love that one. When People go around and, and they just assume that it's the IRS taxes are the only ones that count. Please go up to the internet, to YouTube, and key in freedom to fascism. Freedom to fascism. And if you want to key in Aaron Russo, A-A-R-O-N-R-U-S-S-O, who kind of weirdly died of bladder cancer after this documentary was made regarding the IRS and... 
It's a very interesting look at the unbelievable hypocrisy and corruption of that organization. And then at the end, or at some point in there, it shows you all the ways that we pay taxes. Hundreds of ways that taxes are built into everything that you pay for. I mean, things that you would have never even thought of. We are taxed, I don't want to say to death, but we are taxed so many different ways, it's not even funny. Income tax, on the other hand, when Ronald Reagan got into the office, one of the things, first things he did, and I'm not endorsing Ronald Reagan, I'm just saying, one of the first things he did was he uh, formed this thing called the Grace Commission. Blue Label Commission, designed to go in and evaluate all different facets of our government. When it got to the IRS, their conclusion, the Grace Commission, regarding them, was that not one dime of what is paid into the IRS goes into running this country or any type of, of anything that goes on in this country in any way, shape, or form that is good. It, it doesn't go in, into, not one dime that what you pay to the IRS goes into that. Nothing. It's a scam. A total, total scam. And I'm not going to say anything more about it, but just go up there and can freedom to fascism and watch that documentary. I believe he really paid for that, putting that up there with his life. Just one more piece of the puzzle. One more piece of the puzzle. Uh, next article here is... And again, this, this all goes along with this whole Big Brother thing. It's entitled, Verdict. Christian, Christians, quote Christians, convict pastor for giving out Bibles. The pastor of a Wichita, Kansas church, I'm, I'm on his email list too, who has been vocal in speaking out on homosexuality on public streets, uh, the influence of abortion interests in the state, and other biblical issues, says he has been convicted on charges relating to his decision to hand out Bibles at a Muslim mosque in a courtroom staffed and filled with Christians. Quote Christians. So he was convicted on charges relating to his decision to hand out Bibles at a Muslim mosque. In a courtroom and by um, convicted by a courtroom filled and staffed with Christians. You know, with friends like that, who needs enemies? You know? <laughs> well, this, this is just standard procedure. Oh, this is unbelievable. The courts against Pastor Mark Hollick of Spirit One Christian Center, known as a church, quote, without walls, technically were two counts of loitering and one count of disrupting a business. He was convicted by a six-member jury in Wichita District Court and today was sentenced to a $300 fine, a year probation, and ordered not to be within a 1,000 feet of the Islamic Center, where the last fall he was caught handing out pamphlets during the uh, containing portions of the Bible. I don't understand why he didn't get like 30 days in the electric chair on top of that sentence. Come on, this isn't stiff enough. We should be punished more. What's this world coming to? When, when a pastor's out there handing out free literature on a public sidewalk, it, I mean, what's this world coming to? 
What's startling is he told the judge in courtroom during a 15-minute statement in court is that the conviction came about through Christians. Yay, my favorite kind of Christians. Hardcore, right down the line, hellfire and brimstone preaching. Stab their brother in the back. Christians, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Where do I sign up? Well, just go to any 501c3 corporate church and they'll get you right on the way. Sorry. Just kidding. I don't want to condemn all. I'm just saying most. Anyway. Oh, this really... really makes me feel happy reading this. Happy is definitely the word that comes to mind. <sighs> oh, this is just like you want to just tear your hair out reading this. Okay. He told the court and the judge, he said, quote, Wichita, you are confused. I am not your enemy. This guy's got a backbone. I love this guy. He says, I am not your enemy. Islam is. And please, if you don't believe that, just key in either Muslim or Islam in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done multitudes of teachings on this subject. And then he goes on to say, I love this. This guy's awesome. I mean, God's awesome, but he's working through this man. Thou shall not have no other gods before me. That's what he quoted in the courtroom. Islamists believe that it is okay to lie if it is to help the cause of Allah. That's true. It's right in the Quran. Okay. My own government called a foreign Islamist to testify for them against me. A born American Christian peacefully handing out free Bibles. How sad, how incredibly sad. The arresting officer said he is a Christian. The court judge said he is a Christian. The prosecutor said he is a Christian. The city attorney says he is a Christian. Four of the six jurors who convicted me say they are a Christian. And I have been convicted for handing out free Bibles. Judgment must and will begin at the house of the Lord. Man, God bless this guy. Now, I just had some more Bible verses come into my head as I was reading this, and I, I, I put them in here. Revelation three fourteen through 17, which is really what we're witnessing here. The formation, birth, and growth of the Laodicean Church of Revelation 3, which is the day and time we're living in. And under the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So God's saying, I wish you were either hot or cold. Make up your mind. You know? So because thou art lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods. And have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou, in God's eyes, and I, I, that, I added that part in, but that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That is like my description, or my, what I would envision these supposed Christians that convicted this pastor. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. The Bible says also, in 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's where we're at. For men shall be lovers of them own se their own selves. Well, that's, what is that? That's 
basically self-centered, lovers of their own self. They're centered on self. They serve the God of self. Their God is self, which is really all of our biggest, really is our biggest problems. All of us. Self. You know. But they should be lovers of their own self. I mean, don't they have any fear of God? No, we, we, we love our own selves. We're, we're, I'm, you know, it's all about me. Me, me, me. I want it now and I want it my way. My Burger King religion. My bro cream religion. A little dabble do you. That's what it's about. You know. Anyway. Men shall be lovers of them own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. See a lot of that. Truce breakers. False accusers, which is what these people are. They're false accusers. Supposedly they're all Christians, and they're accusing this man of doing wrong? For doing good? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. False accusers, incontinent, which means they can't control themselves, not that they have to wear depends everywhere. Sorry. But anyway, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, isn't that what we're seeing here? Christians, that they call themselves Christians, and they despise those that are good. I think by his very presence, and by the very stance that this pastor is taking, it convicts them of their own sin, and they don't like it. So they'll condemn him, because it makes them feel better about themselves then. Traitors which is the essence of <laughs> what was done to him by all these wonderful Christians. They're traitors. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Hey, well, I'm a Christian, having a form of godliness, but, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. The Bible says, you know, there's going to come a time when those that think that they kill you do with the Lord's service. That's the time we're moving into. World Daily Net previously reported on the dispute that brought Hollerick into court again. At the time of his arrest, he was warned that Islamic law, Shahara, is creeping into America uh, through preferential treatment provided by law enforcement and courts. Today, he told World Daily Net that he was handing out a book containing English and Arabic versions of the biblical books of John and Romans, as well as a DVD containing testimony from former Muslims. It sounds like a pretty powerful thing that he was doing, to actually really try to convert these people. And I pray their souls be saved. Uh, and I mean, that's a great approach, what he was using. He said he was able to make the accusation. What, what I just read, that whole litany of things, like the, the judge said he's a Christian, the district attorney said he's a Christian, whatever. He said he was able to make those accusations against the court and jurors because of the information he's gotten from those who, knowing the arresting officer and the judge and the prosecutor's statement about attending a church, Hollerick said he has dealt with the city attorney in previous cases, and during jury selection, four of the six jurors affirmed that they attend a regular Christian service. Wow. <laughs> yes, thou shalt backstab thy brethren. I, I, that, that's in there somewhere. I just haven't been able to find it yet. Oh, my word. Hollerick has been handing out Bible 
portions on the sidewalk adjacent to Wichita Mosque. He also went into the driveway where it crossed the sidewalk to do the same. It apparently was that action that the police cited for the courts of loitering and obstructing a business. Business? <laughs> what, the business of taking people to hell? The Muslim mosque? That's our business. Satan's our boss, you know. Holick noted, however, there was no testimony that he obstructed anyone. Yeah, I'm sure he was in there. No, you can't come in here. He wasn't doing that. According to the report of the Wichita Eagle, Sedwig County District Court Judge Phil Journey handed down the sentence to Holick. And he said, quote, in his sanctimonious black-robed devil way, the only reason you were the one arrested is because you were the only one who disobeyed the police orders. End of quote. The newspaper reported the judges said this. The report also said Journey discussed how the First Amendment assured Hollick's right to express his religious beliefs, but also allowed laws that would regulate how he practices his faith. A World Daily Net message confirmed a request comment uh, from the court left after hours was not returned. Hollick told World Daily Net he was a little surprised that the judge let him make a 15-minute statement. My comment is, God arrested the judge. He, he, allowed, he was allowed to talk for 15 minutes in there. <laughs> I believe the, the Holy Spirit. I believe God did that. He just shut his mouth. God can do that. God will honor backbone. It's like kind of like when Stephen made that big statement in Acts. You know, he made all these accusations against the pharisaical, sagacitical Jews. And then after it, unfortunately, they took him out and stoned him. Well, I wouldn't say unfortunately, he was like the first martyr, essentially. But, you know, he was allowed to, to basically make his, his statement an indictment. It reminds me of that. So, he was surprised that the judge later made the 15-minute statement, but noted that the judge later stated his disagreement with the pastor's testimony. Hollick said, quote, This is about an idolatrous government that has rejected the Lord Jesus, the Lord God Jesus. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. This is about a government that has turned from the Lord God to many gods of pluralism. Listen to the 9-11 call by the mosque. They called 9-11 on the guy. 9-1-1. This is terrible Christian out there. Hand me that Bibles. I mean, what? Give me a break. Nine one one. How pathetic. Why don't you just get on your knees and ask Allah to come down and take care of it? If he's all powerful. Not one reference to any traffic problems. Not one indication of cars being blocked. No. It is clear that the reason they call... Now, this is Hollick talking... It was clear the reason they called was because we were there peacefully offering free Bibles. Which exposes their devil religion. That's my comment. To which the police, city attorney, and courts were all too willing to act with expediency and malice to silence the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He continued, he said, quote, Rest assured, your actions will have a great chilling effect on the gospel of our Lord. But I suspect that you know that and are glad. Sure they are. Rest assured that this conviction is already running through the Wichita Islamic Social Network like an August, like an August Texas grass fire. Meaning, once 
the well, once Satan gains any victory in the court systems, all of his minions are going to make sure they celebrate and tell everyone else so that there's precedent there. So that, you know, if this happens again, then they're going to really snuff it out quick. Because now we have courtroom precedents. You can't do this, you know. You have to shut your mouth. Because I use the public sidewalk to offer Bibles to those driving out, I stand here before this magistrate today. End of quote. Next article. Uh, Bill approved to create massive surveillance database of internet users. Legislation that will force internet providers to store information on their customers and share it with the federal government and law enforcement office agencies was significantly beefed up at the last minute, which is what they typically do, yesterday and approved by the U.S. House of Representatives Committee. Under the guise of protecting children from internet pornographers, the House Judiciary Judiciary Committee voted 19 to 10 to approve a bill that will require internet service providers to store temporarily assigned IP addresses for future government use so that they can blackmail you later. In addition, the bill was rewritten yesterday to also include uh, the enforced retention of customers' names, addresses, phone numbers, credit card numbers, and bank account numbers. As Declan McCullough of CNET reports, the panel rejected an amendment that would have clarified that only IP addresses must be stored. The bill is mislabeled, said Representative John Conyers of Michigan. Um, This is not protecting children from internet pornography. It's creating a database for everyone in this country for a lot of other purposes. This is a congressman talking. It represents a data bank of every digital act by by every American that would let us find out where every single American visited websites, said Representative Zoe Lofgren, who led the Democratic opposition to the bill. I'm really surprised the Democrats would oppose this, but... The Californian representative described the legislation as a mess of a bill and a stalking horse for a massive expansion of federal power. Representative Daryl Issa, Republican of California, noted that the bill would open a Pandora's box of government abuse. He said, quote, this is not about child porn. It has never been and it never will be. This is a convenient way for law enforcement to get what they couldn't get in the Patriot Act. You know, it's just about stripping us of every... Uh, right that we have, really. Advocates for the legislation include the National Sheriff's Association, which has said it strongly supports mandatory data retention. The bill also has attracted endorsements from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, as well as the FBI. In a last-ditch effort to derail the bill, the ACLU... I mean, it's pretty bad when the ACLU, we, you know, we're on the same basic side as them, you know. But along with dozens of other privacy watchdog groups, penned a letter to the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Lamar Smith earlier this week, noting, quote, Any data retention mandate is a direct assault on bedrock privacy principles. The data retention mandate in this bill would treat every Internet user like a criminal and threaten online privacy and free speech rights of every American. As lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have recognized. Uh, this is a, um, and then... Senior staff attorney Kevin Bankston of the Electronic Frontier Organization said, um, this is a China-style law enforcement treating everyone as a potential suspect and requiring the collection of personal information just in case it might be useful to the government later. 
Hmm. That's not good. I mean, again, the the internet, the days of the internet, I believe, are vastly approaching. All it would take is one false flag event, which could happen tomorrow, to impose martial law, and they could shut down the internet. And that what it would do, the main reason, is really to cut off the, uh, well, basically like what, what I'm doing. Cut off any, or the main way alternative media is getting information out regarding and documenting the draconian incrementalism that we're experiencing worldwide. So, uh, let's see here. The legislation with all its privacy stripping measures intact will now be scheduled for a full house debate. So evidently it hasn't, you know, went through yet, but I, I, you know, it's very close. Next article. Uh, let's see, where are we at on time here? Okay. Study finds abortion raises, and we're going to kind of switch gears here now. Study finds abortion raises the risk of mental health problems by 81%. 81%. Researchers behind a new study on abortion have discovered that women who have had abortions experience an astonishing 81% increase in the risk of mental health problems. Published in the prestige, and I'm really surprised they would admit to this. Published in the prestigious British Journal of Psychiatry. I mean, <laughs> psychiatry being one of the most evil, wicked professions, professions, medical professions on the planet. They have the highest suicide rate of any MD-type doctor. I mean, they try to treat demonic problems through drugs, which in further infuses you with more demons. Makes sense to me, you know. Published by the pre- prestigious uh, British Journal of Psychiatry, the groundbreaking paper also found that almost 10%, 10% of all mental health problems are shown to be directly linked to abortion. The analysis conducted by Priscilla K. Coleman from Bowling Green State University in Ohio is the largest study of its kind and is based on 22 published studies with a combined number of participants totaling over 850,000 women. That's a lot of people. It's not like, yeah, we, we, we pulled two women that had abortions. 850,000! And it's based on 22 published studies. The results also revealed that the increase for anxiety disorders was 34%. For depression, it was 37 For alcohol abuse, it was 110%. In other words, this is if you had an abortion, you were 110% more likely to abuse alcohol. You were 34 more percent likely to have anxiety disorders. For marijuana use, it was 220%. And for suicide behaviors, it was 155%. Abortion carries with it mega, mega, mega baggage once it's over. And this is just further proof of that. I'm not coming down on, you know, I'm not saying God can't forgive you for, for that, okay? I'm just saying, it, it just it's a proven fact that abortion carries with it horrific um, long-term problems for 
the woman that aborted her baby. It's just a proven fact. It's horrific. For both the baby that was killed and the mother. And for, I would imagine, other people uh, surrounding that as well. Like if the dad was the one that, you know, really pressured her into it or whoever. Andrea Minicello Williams, CEO of Christian Concern, said, quote, It is so important that women are given all the information on the risks of having an abortion. So many women live with deep regrets after being rushed into having an abortion without adequate counseling or awareness of the cost. Many find themselves on the conveyor belt of the abortion industry, which obviously is driven by money, and it's also driven by human sacrifice, because it is a proven fact that many of these people that own the abortion clinics are witches and warlocks, and they view the abortions as sacrifices to their given God that they worship, whether it be Artemis, Lilith, Moloch, Chemosh, you name it. I've done a whole study on this. The occult roots of the abortion industry. They view it, and I've got the quotes, as holy child sacrifice. That's how they view it. And this particular witch was sacrificing all... Not only that they're, they're making money, but they're getting to sacrifice these babies. And if you look in the, in the Old Testament, well, if you wanted to evoke the highest type of witchcraft, and it's true today as it was then, the, the best way to do that would be to sacrifice a baby. That's the... You want to you wanna get Satan's favor to the most maximum degree, and you want to use the most powerful witchcraft you can use, you sacrifice a baby. And all that innocent blood crying out from the land, from these abortion clinics, and it is defiling the land. Typically where you ever you see abortion clinics, it's not going to be in an area where there's wonderful things going on. And back in my hometown in um, Fort Myers, there was it was a cesspool of businesses and places like that that had popped up around this abortion clinic that had been there. It had been there first. There was like one or two gay bars. There was like one of those lingerie places. There was um, one totally nude stripper bar and then one partially nude stripper bar. Um, all kind of bars in, in, in just wickedness around that exact area. I wonder why. Maybe it's because the innocent blood had defiled the land and the demons got more and more attracted, and as more sin was committed, and as more innocent blood was shed, well, further demonic activity took place in that geographical area. That's why it's important to actually go there and, and to pray over these places. So, um, let's see here. Many find themselves on the conveyor belt of the abortion industry, vulnerable and under pressure. They need independent advice as a matter of priority. Okay, what I also did just now, I hadn't added it in, is I gave you a link to my teaching I've done on this. It's called The Massacre of Innocence, The Occult Roots of Abortion. And you can click on that if you want to hear more about that particular subject in the PDF. It'll be on, a, you know, page 1415. Uh... Taylor also pointed out that in that area where this abortion clinic was, there was a lot of a lot of poverty. I mean, anything that was just it was just a very very uh, the uh, the area was just a very um, 
a lot of wickedness. I'm not saying poverty equates with wickedness, but I'm just saying a lot of it was, I, th- I believe, drug-induced type of thing. A lot of people were on drugs and, and things of that nature. There were a lot of shootings uh, in that particular area. Um, so, I remember this one shooting, and it was it was in this apartment complex that was... It was right there in that area where this abortion clinic was. And I never forget it because the woman had driven over to Miami from Fort Myers, which is across the peninsula. It's a pretty good drive. It's a good two and a half hours at least. And this woman had just come out of the hospital from like Miami, I think it was Grady Memorial or whatever. And I don't know, she had done it where she had timed it, where she was waiting for this woman. She went and she... The woman, I guess she got the woman in her car. I don't know what, if she said I would agree to pick you up. She got her in her car and she blew her brains out in the front seat with the baby in her arms. Her her brain matter was all over the um, like the uh, floorboard and and all over the inside of the car. And she took this baby home to this um where she lived in Fort Myers, at this apartment complex, near this abortion clinic, because she couldn't have a baby. Kind of ironic. And the police, there there have been all kinds of problems at this one apartment complex. And and, and if you listen to my teaching, I, I actually worked right in that area. It was a it was um, an area where there were actually some some doctors' offices in that area at the time when I was when I was in full time practice. And that was when, if you heard me, if um, you've ever heard my testimony on my supernatural experiences, you can just key in supernatural in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com. And I battled against the voodoo, that, that witch doctor that broke into, um, they were trying to kill me, they put a death curse on me, and they buried that bottle out there, and the, the Holy Spirit showed me exactly where the bottle was, and I dug it up, and there's no way I could have known where it was at unless the Holy Spirit showed me. And that witch doctor, they were trying to kill me, <laughs> Man, that gets me fired up, praise the Lord. Uh, well, that, my office, the, and it wasn't my as far as I didn't own it, but our office was right next to that apartment complex. I mean, right next to it. And the abortion clinic was, uh, I'd say about two blocks away. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't be, you can't, oh, it's definitely that. Well, it sure didn't help. That was with out a doubt, the most wicked thing going on in that area. There was a stripper bar right behind our office and actually another one right down the road. There was, there was three, there was three uh, stripper, uh, like female stripper dancing things there. With all kind of bars and this apartment complex, this lady brought the baby back and I don't know, they, they caught up to her, and when they, they, when they caught up, I mean, she had not even cleaned out the front seat. She, she had disposed of the body, but there was brain matter all over the floorboards, and she was up there caring for this baby. You talk about some warped stuff going on. That area was a hotbed for it. I think God put me there, it was like I was kind of in training to a certain extent, because I saw, you know, there was some seriously wicked stuff that went on. And a lot of this stuff like I get into now, I really wasn't even up to speed on back then. I mean, I was, I'm was i learning like everyone else. 
So, anyway, it's kind of interesting. I never really thought about that connection until now. Okay, let's go further here. And we're plugging and chugging away at this study here. Uh, next thing. Now we really get into some horrific stuff, as though the other stuff we got into wasn't horrific. This is entitled, Pedophile Predators with PhDs. The latest offense against morality, decency, and sanity in America has been launched by a pro-pedophilia group and several academics who openly advocate for the normalization and legalization of pedophilia, meaning sex with children. Referring to the Christian moral principles as values, as principles and values of cultural baggage and uh, of wrongfulness. That's how they refer to Christian moral principles. Why don't they, why don't they refer to the Hindu moral principles uh, as, as uh, principles and values of cultural baggage of wrongfulness? Well, why would they want to do that? Because, I mean... You know, in high-level Hinduism, you got tantric sex yoga, which is basically one of the most disgusting, and I've discussed this many times, one of the dis- most disgusting things you could possibly ever do. You know, they eat their own feces, drink their own urine, do all kind of unbelievably debauched things. Well, because true Bible-believing Christianity is really the only true moral compass on the planet. You're not going to get that in any of the other religions. You might get a veneer of it, you might get some pseudo-veneer, whitewashed veneer, but at the highest levels of those cults, they're all doing the most depraved things you can imagine. And a lot of times, two children. Because they know that in order to appease Satan, in order to go to the higher levels in witchcraft, and whatever flavor they may call it, they have got to defile little babies and little children and ultimately get into not only sexually molesting them, but also killing them. I've done many reports on this. Key in the one I did on Disney. Uh, that horrific one I did on pedophilia. I think I'll give you the link here to it. People at the highest levels of government and religion, that's how they practice their devil, that's how they please Satan. And when you do things like that, you are going to get so infested with devils and demons that it'll get to the point where you'll do even more depraved things. Because why? Your conscience has become seared with a hot iron. You don't have a conscience anymore. It's like you're a demonic autopilot. Okay, so they refer these people pushing for legalization of pedophilia, the Christian moral principles and values as cultural baggage of wrongfulness. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus Christ, rebuke every one of these devils. An adult's desire to sexually molest a child, they want to establish as normative. I mean, this is absolute beyond insanity. These predators with PhDs are hell-bent on destroying key moral boundaries and critical societal norms that protect innocent children from pathological and dangerous adults. On August 17th of this year, the pro-pedophilia group Before You Act sponsored an event in Baltimore attended by researchers 
professors, mental health professionals, and minor attracted persons. Ooh, boy, is that politically correct. Now, instead of calling them a demon-possessed, devil-from-the-pit-of-hell pedophile, we're going to call them minor attracted individual, minor attracted persons, or MAPs. They're MAPs. Which is a euphemism for adults who crave sex for, with children. A MAP. Let's put some psychiatric devil veneer on it and, and sugarcoat it to make everybody, you know, it's socially acceptable and normative. I mean, this is... Uh, if, if this don't get you fired up your woods, what? I mean, this has got to be one of the biggest abominations. I mean, you look in the Bible, it doesn't get much worse than this. And the fact that all these devils would gather together in one place with all their PhDs and, and researchers, professors, healthcare professionals, and these maps these minor attractive persons, demon-possessed of the toenails, so that they can come together and put their little demonic stamp of approval on the most heinous, demon-led, hell-filled practices that you could imagine in debauchery. I don't care what they do. In God's eyes, it'll never be justified or sanctioned in any way, shape, or form. Their punishment in hell, and then ultimately in the lake of fire, is something that I don't think any of us could possibly ever even conceive. How's that for politically correct? These individuals endorse the adult molestation of children, and consider this sexual perversion as normal, and advocate for the declassification of pedophilia as a mental illness by the American Psychiatric Association. I told you that's the most wicked faction of the medical uh, system, the, psychiat the psychiatrists. The academic panelists who presented at this pedophilia-friendly scientific symposium came from such distinguished institutions as John Hopkins University, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, boy, I bet you got to really be smart to go there, Albert Einstein, uh, Harvard Medical School, and London School of Economics and Political Science. I'm surprised NAMBLA wasn't in, uh, there. They probably were. You know what that stands for, NAMBLA? North American Man-Boy Love Association. I'm not making this stuff up. North American Man-Boy Love Association. These people, as far as I am concerned, have all forfeited their right to live. They shouldn't, they shouldn't even be allowed to live. That's my opinion. I'm sorry, but I mean, are they going to get undemon possessed? Do you hear a lot of hardcore pedophiles ever getting saved? I'm not saying it couldn't happen. And I'm not saying they're advocating going out and killing people. I'm just saying, from a scriptural standpoint, I really crave the day that God starts raining down his fury on this wickedness, then all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of his doing. And for the sake of the children, more than anything, I could care less about some demon possessed to the toenail pedophile who wants to rape little children and then many times kill them 
care about the children. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that this kind of stuff, this should have been illegal. This should have allowed to go on anywhere. The sanctioning of, 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 of wickedness at the highest levels? There should, I mean, I'm sorry, but there should have been uh, churches or something organized against this. Wickedness. Outside praying against this. This has got to be one of the sickest things. I talked about a lot of sick things. To me, this far outweighs anything I've reported on today. Us not being, Christians not being included in the 9-11 debacle cathedral thing with their high priest Obama giving the keynote speech. I could care less. This is the biggest abomination of anything I've reported on today. I believe I can scripturally prove that. Child sacrifice in the Bible was, I mean, you want to get God's judgment, His most severe judgment, well, just practice child sacrifice and and practice defiling little children. And and it doesn't get any worse. Listen to this. Oh, I feel like I'm going to pull my hair out. The keynote address was given by Dr. Fred Berlin, of John Hopkins University, who proclaimed that he wants to, quote, completely support the goal of before you act. Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you in all your ilk, you devil, Dr. Fred Berlin. I'm telling you, there's coming a day God's going to rain down his fury on this. Uh, There's coming a day. I believe it. I really do. When God's judgment comes, it is always a good thing from a biblical standpoint. Always. Always. Because people get right with God. They get the fear of God. And then, it's optional many times that they'll get saved. When Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead, when they lied to the Holy Ghost, what was the result? What was the fruit of that event? Many, many, many were converted, and many got right with God. Well, it wasn't a bad thing. So he wants to completely support the goal of Before You Act. Key highlights from the conference include these disturbing assertions. More disturbing excerpts available at the end of this article. Here's here's some of the key highlights of the conference. Number one, pedophiles are unfairly stigmatized and demonized by society. Oh, those poor pedophiles... Poor, poor pedophiles. They have such a hard life. They have to creep around in the shadows and, and stalk their little innocent victims in, in, in you know, outside. The, you know, they, they can't be in the light and do it and, and do it out in the open and defile little innocent children and sexually molest them. They, they have to do that in the dark shadows. I mean, what's this world coming to, you know? Next point. The majority of pedophiles are gentle and rational. You lying devils from the pit of hell. Oh, I just pray God expose these liars. I just pray to God he expose them. Gentle and rational? As they're forcing themselves on a little child? Are you kidding me? They're the exact opposite. They're savages... Demon-possessed devils. They 
are the ultimate representation of evil on this earth. And rational? Who in their right mind would do that? Force themselves on a little child. Sometimes they do this with babies. Unbelievable. Next point. There was a concern about the cultural baggage of wrongfulness. Sin is sin. And this is the height of sin. At least two homosexual guys, if they want to be with one another, that's between them and them. But when you get a small, little, innocent children child involved, it's a whole other different deal. You're imposing your wicked will on a little child for your own sexual, sick, perverted gratification. You have forfeited your right to live. I believe in God's eyes. I'm not the judge. I believe biblically they forfeited their right to live. Next point. We are not required to interfere with or inhibit our child's sexuality. Are you kidding me? A child's sexuality? What is this? Garbage. Like you should encourage your children to have sex at the earliest possible age or something? I mean, this is just incomprehensible. The thought pattern here of these distinguished PhDs. Next point. Children are inherently able to consent to sex with an adult. You lying I don't <laughs> be angry and say not. This is this is just so hard for me to even get through. This is so wicked. If, if any place I wish God would start with judgment, this is where I would pray it be. This, 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 this is ground zero to me for beyond depraved wickedness. Remember, I told you that. Um, I had that experience, we, we had been traveling some last winter, and we stayed in this hotel, this one night in Oklahoma, it was a day's in, it was real late at night, got in, had been driving all night, stayed in there, I got, I had the most terrible dream about children, and, and I wasn't involved, I was from the outside looking in, about children being defiled and being abused, and I think even in the dream, I was kept from seeing all the gory stuff. I got up in the middle of the night, I was just bawling, just weeping. Taylor um, was with me, she was in the, the next bed, and, and, and you know, she was like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I'm, I'm like, I, I had had it literally been shown, I don't know if the person that stayed in there before us, because see, that's, that stuff is real. About If a wicked person stayed in that room, let's say even if it was a month earlier, there is demonic residue and baggage that will, can get connected with those types of rooms, like a hotel room or something like that. I, I, just, I couldn't even stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. It was, it was so horrific. And I had only been shown a little tiny bit. And you have to understand, this is how a lot of times they practice their religion. Satanists, Luciferians, 
people high up in any given uh, church, in the highest rankings, whether it be Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, people that appear to be the most sanctimonious religion and holier than thou are usually some of the most depraved devils you could possibly... And they, have, they lead this double life. I think God was just letting me see a glimpse of it. And to pray about it, like the kiddie porn industry, and, and it's just, you don't even like to talk about it. But then again, if you don't ever mention it, you don't even know to pray about it. And the fact that they would have a big conference with all these shows, and that there wasn't mass... Um, protests of this and mass resistance of this justification of the highest level wickedness shows you where we're at as a country. What will condone, what will justify under the name and banner of science or whatever. How can God not judge America? So, the last point I read, children are inherently able to consent to consent with sex with an adult. Oh, isn't that convenient for the pedophile? Well, the child consented. You sick devil. You know, if God started consuming these devils in a pillar of fire and brimstone, maybe on an individualistic basis, that their sins would be exposed and known to the world, maybe some other pedophiles would think twice about what they're going to do, what they're planning. Oh, I guarantee you that would happen. Next point. An adult's desire to have sex with children is normative. No, it's not, you devil. Normative. Why? Because they want to establish it as normative behavior. It's just normal. No, it's not, you devil. Just like homosexuality is not normal, bisexuality, trans, and all this garbage in the legislation that's protecting all of this wickedness. No, it's not. And it's abomination from the pit of hell. These people are going to rot in the lake of fire for eternity as a result of what they consider as normative. Now understand, it, it, it comes down to rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately. But if you're participating in these types of things, and David possessed of the toenails, and are told, well, this is normative, well, then you think, well, I'm not a bad, that bad of a guy after all. I'm just going to keep on my merry way. They want that. They crave acceptance. The gays are the same way. Next point. Our society should maximize individual liberty. We have a highly moralistic society that is not consistent with liberty. You slime buckets. What about the right of the child to not be violated? What about the liberty there for them not to have other people's liberty imposed on them? I love it how they mask perversion of the highest order under the banner of liberty. This is just the sickest thing. I, 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 
Ugh. I can hardly even get, I mean, like I said, I got done with the study and I was just, I couldn't even believe what I just read. And we're only halfway through. Well, we're a little more than halfway through. Next point, Anglo-American standard on age of consent is new and puritanical. Puritanical. In Europe, it was always set at 12, 10 or 12, I mean, years of age, before you could force yourself on a child, essentially. Ages of consent beyond that are relatively new and very strange, especially for boys. They've always been able to have sex at any age. End of quote. Boys have always been able to have sex at any age? You lying devils. Snakes and vipers and devils. Taking on human form is all it is. This is just beyond sickening. Truly, beyond sickening. Going further, a consensus belief by both speakers and pedophiles in attendance was that because it vilifies maps, the minor attracted persons, remember, pedophilia should be removed as a mental disorder from the American Psychiatric Disorders Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. In the same manner, homosexuality was removed in 1973. See, homosexuals, that's not a disorder anymore. It's it's normative. No, it's not. It's demon possession. You are of your father the devil, and of his lust, and of his works, you will do. This goes on to say, there is no greater moral imperative than the protection of the innocent, and especially defenseless children. Amen. Now, again, that, these were quotes from the thing. Now we're going back to the main article. These timeless and universal truths are embedded in the Christian principles and moral precepts upon which American society and the legal system are based. Any adult, especially a university professor or medical doctor, who cannot grasp such elementary morality has no business teaching, counseling, or treating anyone especially dangerous dangerous predators with an appetite for children. Think about that. These supposed highly educated PhDs cannot even grasp such an elementary principle of morality because of by what they're saying. Obviously they have no moral compass whatsoever. What these academics are doing, i.e., providing comfort and support for child rapists and molesters, is unconscionable and unethical. That's what they're doing. They're providing comfort and support for child rapists and molesters. Instead of condemning these abusers' sick desires, these professionals sympathize them with these monsters and minimize the evil they perpetuate. Rather than working to expose this abomination in these pedophiles' minds and souls, these academics stoke these warped passions with the fuel of justification, rationalization, and normalization. Oh, I bet you pedophiles were so thrilled over this con- this conference. They won't be thrilled when they're burning in hell, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is never quenched, and they have demons and devils all over them. 
And they're probably forced to relive all of their sick things they did on earth. They would probably beg to have had someone or God put the fear of God in them. So that they would have stopped what they're doing and hopefully been, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I know with God all things are possible. You just don't hear a lot of people that were hardcore pedophiles ever. And if they did, they probably wouldn't give that testimony because I'm sure it would be unbelievably embarrassing. But, going further, it says, and their treachery doesn't stop there. Academics like Fred Berlin and uh, MD and PhD and Nancy Nyquist Potter, PhD, and others are also attempting to destroy societal protections of children by pushing to declassify this dangerous perversion as a mental disorder and to decriminalize the behavior. In essence, they advocate the elimination of statutory rape and sexual offender registration laws designed to protect minors. In other words, if this all became accepted and normative and, and okay, well then... He really didn't do anything wrong when he, when he molested that little girl or little boy. So there's no reason to put him in a database. They can just keep going and doing what they're doing. They advocate the elimination of statutory rape and sexual offender registration laws designed to protect minors from being sexually exploited by adults, thus removing the ability of the state to punish and incarcerate these monsters. How many other potential predators who previously suppressed their lusts for the fear of incarceration, societal rebuke, and sexual predator registration laws will now be emboldened to succumb to their perverse impulses? They're going to come out of the woodwork. And let me tell you something, they're everywhere. You just do, uh, there's all those websites, you can go up on the internet and, and, and look at uh, all the pedophiles and the, and the sexual registrated uh, in your area. And those are just the ones that, are, that have been caught. I remember when I lived in Florida and did that thing, they were all around us. Satan's loving every bit of it. He wants them out there doing their thing. Defiling little children. Demonically injecting. I mean, it's well known to occultists that if you want to defile, you know, a child, the, the best way to do it is to sexually molest them. Because you're, you're your demons are just flowing into them, essentially. I'm not saying God couldn't protect them. I'm saying, generally speaking, that is the way you do it. Satan's loving it. So that, that last statement I just made was profound because if they legitimize all this, those who previously suppressed their lust for fear of incarceration, societal rebuke, and sexual predator, predator registration laws will now be emboldened to succumb to their perverse impulses. Cheered on and defended by credentialed academics and fully protected by a neutered legal system. doesn't get any worse than this, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this is the bottom of the barrel, right here. Ground zero for bottom of the barrel. That's the good old U.S. of A. 
What do the leadership at John Hopkins University, Harvard Medical School, and the University of Louisville have to say about the professors attending a pro-pedophile conference and advocating for normalization of adults having sex with children? What about the donors, supporters, and alumni who support these institutions? Are they aware that their donations pay for these professors' salaries and help promote these kinds of academic activities? Is this an indication of the level of scholarship and intellectual discourse we expect to see in the future from these acclaimed institutions? What's next? A conference on how to destigmatize and normalize producers and distributors of the users of child pornography? I don't see why that would be far off. I give you the link to the article, and then I also give you all the links I've done relating to this subject. Child porn, uh, pedophilia pandemic, and high-level cover-up. i got two on that. Disney expose, parts 5 through 8. Disney exposed, and Catholic priest pedophiles. We kind of cover the gamut there. I'm going to have to end part two here because we're, we're way over on time. And we're going to go to part three and pick up with this same theme. So God bless you and we'll see you in part three.